2: Uh, Obi Toppin joining us now, coming off of his finest performance, as a matter of fact, as a Pacer in their big win over Philadelphia, 27 the other night in the City of Brotherly Love, and now the Pacers and Magic on Sunday. Obi, I'm going to begin with this, and thanks for joining us. Um, yes, sir. It almost feels like a bye week for you guys. I, it, is that just in the NBA scheduling of things to have this many days off, do you all of a sudden you wonder like what you're supposed to do?
3: I mean, nah. Just because of the simple fact, like we coming in the gym every single day, uh, putting in some type of work, even if there's off days. So, all these guys been working. We're still working to get better and grow a team. So,
2: were you, now were you there last night? I was just talking about the, you know, the the great event that took place at the field house and I thought I heard yeah. your name. I didn't see you there. I was scooping mashed potatoes. Um, <laughs> now, were you, which which role were you on?
3: I was on the I was on a fruit
2: salad <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you yes, what man it was uh it was a pretty cool event and and I listen you know for Tyrese Halliburton to kind of be the face of that event but you know for you new to Indianapolis and and, and a lot of the newer faces buddy healed was down the way for me miles Turner was scooping turkey next to me I just think yes, it's a sir. really cool event for you guys and and it's got to be a good kind of team building event as well right
3: I'll tell you what. And, um, it was definitely an amazing event. And for so all the guys who came out to, to help out with that, were, uh, it definitely was amazing, not only for our team, but for the city. So uh, there's going to be plenty more of that for different holidays. So
4: Obi Toppin is our guest. Obi, when I look at your career, and if I'm wrong on this, please jump across me and tell me. But when I look at your sure. career, I look at a player that was drafted top 10, that was looked upon to be that you know a, a franchise player and never really got the right opportunity to fulfill that in New York. Do you feel like here in Indiana, based on a number of factors that were present in New York that aren't here with the Pacers, especially your role on this team, do you feel like you have a better opportunity to reach the potential that you want to reach?
3: Uh, yeah, I feel like first New York was amazing. Obviously, that's my hometown, so. I don't want to bash New sure, York. Sure. Uh, definitely had great time out there, but um, but nah, coming out to Indy, um, having this new start kind of to to my career. Um, definitely having a lot of great guys, uh, teammates and coaches around me. Uh, been helping me a lot. They want to see me grow, and they're out there helping not only myself, but we're helping each other uh, get better every single day to be the team that we want to be. So.
2: Obi, I don't know if you saw it or not. Obi Toppin of the Pacers is our guest here on Quarry Company. Rob Mahoney from The Ringer wrote a really good column about your teammate Tyrese Halliburton. But yeah, you sure. were kind of an epicenter to that column because it talked about how he was a player that you saw and you said, that's a guy that I'd love to play with. Mm-hmm. Is there accuracy to that? And can Tyrese Halliburton's style of play be one that helps you guys draw other players to Indiana?
3: I mean, who wouldn't want to play with Ty? Like, obviously, like he, he's he's obviously a great player. That's no secret. But he he's so unselfish as a teammate for for the amount of um, attention that he brings to himself. Like, he's so unselfish, but he still gets his uh, offensively, defensively. Um, he's just willing to to see other people succeed, not only himself. He want to help his teammates out, uh, get better and grow and He wants to see his team win. So he's going to do whatever he can to go out there and help not only himself, but help others uh, be successful because if everyone's being successful, that means the team's being successful. So uh, Mm -hmm. he's going to continue doing that, and so is everybody else.
2: I have asked this question to a lot of guys, Obi, especially on this team, because it's fascinating to me about this Pacers group that for now seems very unselfish. But that is this. You, you, like at Dayton – you were on a team that probably got robbed more than anybody in the history of the NCAA because you guys were going to be a number one seed. I mean, you,
3: <laughs> you might have won
2: it all, right? I mean, let's be honest. Dayton may Man. have won it all. Um, come on. You, you know that. You I know. know I know. <laughs> and, and and it was a great story, right? But Not but for sure. But you – when you got to the league, you had yep. always played a role on a team where you were the guy. And then right. you come to Indiana where – Tyrese Halliburton's the guy, or if he's off that night, you know it's by rotation. How does one change their philosophy to having the humility to know that they now have a role they have to fill?
3: I mean, it's the NBA. Uh, I feel like anybody who comes into the NBA doesn't have the the expectations of being the guy on any team. Like everybody in the NBA was their guy, was that guy in college. So it's like you just got to accept the role. I feel like most of the NBA is role players. So being able to accept your role, going to any team, and playing your role really well is is what keeps you in the league. Um, You don't have to go out there and be a dominant scorer unless that's what they're asking you to do. But like my job, I'm not out there having to score 30, 40 points every single game uh, to be successful, like I could score 15 points, 10 points, and still be successful as a, as a player on the court. But that that just goes for a team. Like everybody on our team knows the role that we got to play. Um, obviously, we played through uh, Tyrese, we played through Miles, but everybody on the team knows our role. And every time we get into the game, we know what we got to do to be successful. So,
2: tell me the moment, Obi Toppin, whether it be in a workout, maybe it was in a game. Maybe it was on the bus, but tell me the moment where the reality and the epiphany hit you as to the current culture of the Indiana Pacers, where you literally went, okay, so that's how it is here, and
3: I'm down with that. That moment was when? I mean, yeah, as soon as I got to the team, like as soon as uh, the trade went through, uh, everybody started texting me, uh, welcome to the team. Uh, We went out to Vegas, uh, obviously got some practices or not practices, but workouts in and was able to just meet up with the guys and, and kind of hung out. And from there, it was just like the culture was totally different already. Like we, we kind of do everything together. Um, We're very close. And, and yeah, like we just like, I feel like our off court is what helps us on court um, us being together. So,
4: Pacers forward, Obi Toppin with us here on Query and Company. Obi, where do you feel the biggest area that your game has grown over the last year?
3: Um, I feel like I'm trying to grow a lot of a lot of uh places in my game. Um there's always room for improvement, but I feel like just knowing my role. Um, uh obviously coming to this new team, uh they kind of wanted me to be that that running guy like obviously everybody knows me from running the floor really well and we we're so fast as a team because not only myself but Tyrese Bruce um and everybody on our team just runs and so like I just I feel like what helped me as a player like I just found what my role was and I'm just trying to get better in that role as time goes so aside from Tyrese Halliburton
2: who would you Obi Toppin say is the most selfless player on your roster who is the guy that is that absolutely like if you look up great teammate in the dictionary you see a picture of who
3: i mean everybody on our team like i don't feel like anybody on our team selfish in any way like everybody's trying to help each other get better and and be successful and it's like we haven't we have excitement when other guys do good like Anybody on our team can have a big night any given night, and that's all we want to see. We want to see people do good and be successful. So I wouldn't just play, pick one player. I feel like everybody on our team is that way. And so that's why we've been so successful. So,
2: Now, before every game, T.J. McConnell has a specific, like, handshake yes, for every player, right? Yes, sir. H- h- who, who approached who when you were a new guy and you had to learn the t- your your <laughs> – your specific handshake greeting with TJ McConnell for the pregame warm ups. <laughs> Who comes up with that and how much practice did it take?
3: It's funny because me and TJ just made that up on a fly one game and he was like he just went between his leg and I I uh made the basketball hoop to dunk. So um so nah TJ's my guy uh and and I love him so
2: is TJ McConnell this is Obi, this is when I say this, you're gonna and I give you permission to say yeah, this guy on the radio today used the most generic, cliched term of all time. Okay, <laughs> is T.J. McConnell though the proverbial glue
3: guy for your roster? Um, I think I think so, but I think there's a there's a lot of other glue guys on our team uh, that helps us be successful. But T.J. alone, like I feel like he he's great for this team. Um, he, he's definitely the oldest on the team, so a lot of guys look up to him. He's been in the league for nine years, I think it is. So he does a great job uh, keeping guys together, keeping guys, uh, like, focused and, and locked in. But, not nah, TJ is great.
4: Obi, in terms of high-flying electric offense, I- is this the most free flow you've had since
3: Dayton? For sure. We just – we go out there, we play fast, we we have fun. And, yeah, we put points on the board. So, so definitely –
2: what to, Obi? In terms of defensively, I mean, I think it's no secret, and we've talked about it on this show. Mm-hmm. You know, the one thing, probably the area, I would assume that Rick Carlisle really wants to shore up over the course of the year is your guys' defense. Right. Um, what is the missing ingredient there? What is holding you guys back from being a better defensive team?
3: Um, I feel like it's just it's just working as a team, like helping helping the next guy. Um, like nobody's guarding uh, somebody one on one. Uh the whole game it, it, you or to have good defense, everybody has to be locked in and help each other if somebody gets beat, somebody has to move over help so it's just like finding that finding that connection between everybody uh to help each other on the defensive end I don't think we're we're not the worst defensive team, like we're definitely getting better as time goes, but uh we fit we we lock into the defense I feel like we can be a very dangerous team because that's just gonna turn into transition offense and it's no secret, like we're the best transition team in the in the league. So, if we can get stops, get steals, it's gonna help us tremendously. So,
2: so here's the good news. I'm looking at it here. So, you grew up obviously in Brooklyn, right, or in the New York yes, City sir. area? You could say Brooklyn, yeah. Okay, so your your team growing up. Were you a Knicks fan growing up then? Yes, I was definitely a Knicks fan
3: growing up. My whole family was Knicks fans. Now, so.
2: The good news is this: because you were born in in '98, that right. means that that. You're not gonna upset people here because I'm assuming that like Charles Oakley and Anthony Mason weren't your favorite Knicks because you would be too young for that. So for who sure. was who was your favorite player
3: then growing up? It was it was definitely like more like Carmelo. Uh obviously I like Kobe. Uh I like Braun. Um I'm trying to think K D obviously. I like those guys, but because I was a New York kid, uh, Mello was somebody I was. I always looked up to, uh, looked at like he was he was one of my favorite uh, players growing hey, up. Hey, so. for like
2: forty games, Amari Stoudemire was uh, the man in New York. <laughs> he, like, he
3: Definitely was, and, and then definitely he got was.
2: hurt; the, the knees gave out. But man, right. I, I think people forget <laughs> how good he was, right?
3: Nah, he was definitely amazing. He he was one of my favorite players too, but because uh, I had a lot of comparisons to him as I grew up. So um, so definitely he he was a great player too. So Yankees or Mets? <sighs> See quick story. I was a Yankees fan, but they didn't let me throw the first pitch, so I became a Mets Mets fan. Yes, I I like that. I like that. Out of spite, right? I'm Mets now. Heck yeah. They can can put that out there.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, hey, any blue and orange you had from the Knicks growing up, or from your time, you can't wear now. You can wear it as a Mets fan, right?
3: Nope, I'm straight. I'm a Mets fan now.
2: Okay, uh, Jets or Giants? And I realize now, we're going to tell (sighs) people you're a Colts fan,
3: but Jets or Giants? Definitely definitely Giants, but I, I grew up in a generation where Giants was good so I rolled I rode with them my dad's a Jets fan though so I'm Giants did your
4: family have any fun with the fact that you became a Pacer because obviously they would have been seeing in prime time those Knicks Pacers yeah. rivalries
3: nah for sure definitely uh my grandfather uh used to have some some battles with some of the Pacers players uh because he had season tickets uh at the Knicks game so he told me some stories that I ain't going to tell right now, but he has some great stories of those games. So.
2: Well, Obi, there are only four Pacer players whose jerseys hang in the rafters, and one of them is a Dayton Flyer. So, you know what I mean? Who? I think is it, it wasn't Roger Brown from Dayton, or, or maybe definitely he was found was. in Dayton.
3: Definitely was. Definitely, yeah, definitely yeah. was. Yes, sir so okay
2: you know so you got so so if nothing else you can take a little bit of like inspiration if he came from Dayton I can't remember if he played at Dayton but that's where he was when yeah, he I don't signed know with Indiana he yeah but he's from he's, yeah. he's from New yeah, York sir. but he but he came to Indiana from Dayton so right, similar right, right, path right, right. to you right um yes, okay last question for you Thanksgiving dinner Ooh. which which teammate is most likely to actually host and present a Thanksgiving meal and which yep. one would you absolutely, in no way, shape, or form, eat anything that they prepare?
3: <laughs> I'll definitely host a great meal. Uh, I feel like I got a great chef. Shout out to Chef JD. I have a great chef who will host a great meal for uh, me and the teammates. But the teammate that I won't go to probably would be Jarrett. I don't know if I'm going to go to Jared's walks Walks uh, Thanksgiving. Um, yeah, I don't know. He don't have a chef, so I ain't I ain't trusting his cooking. He's too young to know how to cook, right? Exactly. That's why that's He's why still He's still eating ramen noodles. He's
2: right out of college.
3: Yeah, I feel like everybody else, Ty, other guys, Miles, they got they got chefs, so the chef's gonna do most of the cooking. But Jarris, nah, can't trust his cooking.
2: Obi Toppin, again. Got the weekend off. Enjoy it. Yes, thanks sir. on behalf appreciate of the city it. of Indianapolis. Thanks for you guys putting that on last night for the needy here in Indy. But we'll be looking forward to watching on Sunday against the Orlando Magic. Of course. Appreciate you guys. I appreciate it. Obi Toppin All with right. the Indiana Pacers.
4: Eric Home is our guest on NFL.com always has his power rankings on a weekly basis. And considering where our conversation started a couple months ago, where we were joking about, if Eric had the Colts too high or too low, uh, now all of a sudden the Colts find themselves in the thick of the
1: playoff race, Eric, who would have thought, would you? I thought you guys were going to bring me onto a course of booze. You know, that's what (laughs) I expected. Anyway, it's been impressive. It's been, it's, it's been so many uh, teams this season, that have gotten to a point where we say not how have they done it necessarily, but look at what they've done, right? Like look at us, right? Your Paul Redquote there. I mean, it really is pretty tremendous to see teams like the Colts really kind of from the start of the season or close to it. Uh, Denver after the horrible start, you know, Minnesota after losing cousins, what have you. I mean, you can go on and name a few more as well. And it's just been an unexpected season in a lot of ways. And I think, you know, Shane and what he's done so far this season, all the the, the curveballs from Taylor to the quarterback thing and everything in between, deserves some Coach of the Year merit, for sure. Or he has some Coach of the Year merit and deserves some, some attention for it.
2: Eric, we all knew at some point growing up, high school, college, young adulthood, like all of us had somebody that we dated at some point that, like, I mean, they're really good looking. They pass, you know, from the outside. It's like, man, they're smart. They got a great job, <clears> yeah. and then people are like, "Why didn't it work out?" And it's like, you know, they, they, they're just they were kind of fickle. Like, I, I didn't know from one week to the next what I was really kind of getting. Uh, that team is who? Oof, that's a great question.
1: I, I don't know that you could say the Bengals because I mean they're they're probably low hanging fruit just because of the, the the Burrow injury now. Maybe they they were a candidate before. I'd have to think about... I mean, every week I kind of have a battle of, like, what to do with Cleveland. Obviously, with Watson out now, that makes... You know, and we didn't really know whether he was going to play some weeks, and uh, the defense is tremendous. Uh, they've had a couple games where it's been less than tremendous, for sure. Um, replacing Chubb, it's been... A, they've been a hard team to slot. It's maybe a little easier now that the Bengals are 5-5, five and, five and and Burrow might miss a, a spell here, so... But, yeah, the Browns have been a, a tricky team to, to kind of rank. Uh, they've had a couple of hiccups and a couple of really unexpected performances. You know, certainly Houston belongs in that conversation too. You know, the, the loss of the, the, the Panthers, but they've been kind of hot otherwise lately. So I think you could you could say that, that fits with a lot of teams. Seattle, you know, it's, it's, it's a, a wide lot this year.
2: So, Eric Edholm, my question for you is this then, to follow up on that from the NFL Network, by the way, the power rankings you can – read them or um or nfl.com right where you can read the the power rankings Um, Either one. my apologies yeah so give me the team that and it's kind of weird to say because you got to play the games i get it but give me the team that like you kind of keep feeling like the day is going to come where you've got to lower them but based on schedule and maybe even external things that aren't even to their own credit they're a little bit of window dressing because you look at them and they look pretty good, but you still feel like reality is going to kick in. That is who. I was leaning towards Pittsburgh until you say you look at them and they look pretty good because <laughs> I don't know that anybody says the
1: Steelers look pretty good. I mean, the record's great, right? I mean, they're 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 in a good spot. They can still challenge the Ravens to have a win head-to-head over Baltimore. I mean, so they have some things going in their direction, but when you've been outscored on the season, you know, you have a – record, but you've been outscored by whatever it is, 30-something points right now. You've been outgained in every single game. You've averaged losing about 1.3 defensive starters the last three, four games. You know, it's hard to believe they are where they are, and some things have kind of worked out in their favor. Um, You know, the the blowout loss to Houston doesn't look so bad now, and um, they were kind of fortunate, really, that the Ravens didn't – do anything after going up ten nothing, and you know the the Cleveland game, what have you. I mean, there there have been a lot of instances where you say, "Okay, that kind of worked out for him, right?" And Kenny Pickett obviously has been in the crosshairs locally in Pittsburgh, and his numbers are near the bottom of the NFL's passing uh, figures. So, yeah, they're they're one whose defense you could argue in each of the six wins, certainly in five of them, the Rams game, the offense did kind of put it away late, but five of their six wins have required a, like a big defensive stand or more two or plus in some games in the last five minutes of the game. I mean, is that a sustainable thing? I I would guess no, but man, if you have that kind of clutch gene and situational football awareness and, You know, sort of a keen instinct for the moment. And you have a great coach in Tomlin. Maybe you can pull it off. I don't know.
4: Eric Edholm of NFL.com joins us. I know Jake just mentioned the Steelers. But when you look at those last three playoff spots, the wild card spots of the Steelers, the Browns, and the Texans effectively eight weeks left, seven games for most teams teams left the rest of the way. Of the Steelers, Browns, and Texans, how many of them actually wind up making the playoffs and how many of those spots actually wind up being up for grabs?
1: Yeah, I mean, usually in recent years when the Steelers have – you know, have not been a dominant team or whatever, we've seen them kind of start slowly and finish strong. It's almost like Tomlin's hallmark, right? In this case, they already have the strong start, record-wise, anyway. I mean, they're in pretty good shape. I'm not saying they're going to just coast through the rest of the schedule and, and just float on into the playoffs without any resistance, but just by virtue of their record, they're they're in pretty good spot. And, you know, Houston's remaining schedule, I mean, I know they got the Colts they've got the Browns and I believe they have the Jaguars left and outside of that, they have four, arguably five winnable games. So they're in pretty good position, even though they still have to clearly win some games and, and, you know, keep padding that total and, and you can't afford another Carolina game. So I would pick those two. I mean, I don't want to give up on the Browns. I've already done it twice this season and look kind of silly for doing it, or at least sort of suggested that this thing can't, can't sustain itself. But you know, kind of like we were talking about earlier. Maybe there just is some magic. Maybe that defense is great enough to overcome a pretty big loss in, in Deshaun Watson, even though we've all, you know, obviously kind of questioned how good he really is at this point.
2: Eric, we are in Indianapolis, so I will use like a racing analogy for the NFL season, okay? Sure. The season has exited turn two. It's it's moving quickie, quickly up the backstretch. Yeah. and and you know past the halfway point we're past the turn two suites here. So is there a point in the season where the style changes and where teams, in other words, if teams only have like one way of playing does does in fact the st- stylistically or schematically when you get into the home stretch, the turn four of the the regular season, Is there a particular style of play that your team better be able to do in order to win, or do you just stick with what is working to this point and that is able to carry a team all the way through? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. I'd probably have to do a little bit
1: more – you know work in recent seasons to see hey like wh- who are the teams that that got off to hot starts in seasons and had a distinct offensive style or defensive style and it just didn't hold up over the course of the season off the top of my head i can't immediately think of one but the Miami dolphins would probably be a a relatively good example of that, I think, in the sense that they came out like gangbusters early in the season. Everybody, you know, through four weeks we were talking about, hey, is this the greatest offense ever? That's obviously died for good reason, right? We know that a couple injuries have kind of set them back, but they're getting back to full health. And I kind of wonder if they can revive that run game a little bit. If that's if, you know, if Devin A. a- Chan comes back and they have – uh A full house, I would say, in the backfield there. Um, Mostert's done a good job, but having both of them is a big deal, I think. And they keep two healthy, and they keep those guys healthy. I mean, they they could kind of revive the style that set the league on its on its ear a little bit, you know, and had everybody kind of questioning things about how good they really were. Are they a Super Bowl caliber team? Remember last year? I mean, they started out pretty pretty well, and everybody was sort of getting on board, and then the Tua injury happen and so you know they might be one who have the style that they could revive to the point where it's hard to cover all those guys and all that speed all at once but i know that doesn't fully answer your question but they were the one that kind of stuck out in my head as you were asking it
4: how big of a loss eric at home is mark andrews if it is officially confirmed i think it was but i just want to make yeah. sure i'm not you know putting the nail in before it's finalized how big of a loss is it if mark andrews of the ravens is out for the year
1: i don't know if it's been announced but it's not he's not playing i think is is most likely the the result of this so yeah i mean it's it's so tough because he you know zay flowers has been great but i would argue andrews has arguably been their most important guy in terms of Every week, you know, you're going to get your five catches for 65 yards or whatever it is. And, you know, that, that clutch third down conversion in the fourth quarter and that goal line catch and, and everything else. I mean, he was just – he kind of was the glue of that group, the, the, you know, the, the old reliable a little bit. And, you know, Flowers has been terrific. He's had a couple of slow, you know, quiet games, but otherwise been great. You know, Bateman's been uh, hot and cold. He had the touchdown last night. Aguilar started hot. But before the touchdown last night had been missing for a few weeks, Uh, Beckham, again, prior to his breakout game, uh, he looked terrific last night. He looked fast. It was old Odell Beckham's speed, I thought. Uh, You know, he'd been averaging about 40 yards a game or something. So if last night is an indication, they have some some guys to throw to. Isaiah likely is a pretty good weapon as well with with Andrews out. But I don't know. I – pictured him in the rotation and a big part of this team when I said they they could go to a Super Bowl this year.
2: Eric Edholm is our guest NFL.com where you can see his power rankings. Eric let's go back to the, the the conversation about the Burrow situation in Cincinnati and then as you'd mentioned Deshaun Watson in Cleveland. My thought process would be that it is possible and I don't know which it would be but maybe one of those two teams does have a good enough you know Cleveland's got a little bit of a, a few game cushion there over Cincinnati and their yeah. defense is elite maybe one of the two of those can kind of sustain without that guy at quarterback for them but I don't think both can would you agree with that
1: I think you're right yeah I mean ironically I don't know ironically but I would say last night made me think that they might be able to run 80 percent of the Bengals offense which uh, with with uh, Browning at quarterback I don't I mean it's not going to be the same as Burrow I don't want to make it seem like that but you know, he didn't look out of place. I I didn't think he was eight of fourteen. You know, not a high yardage total. Couple balls, couple unlucky drops. You know, the Trenton Irwin one on third down that was a dot. I mean, that looked great. And he scrambled a little bit, but like you said, they're they're five and five. They've got more room to make up now. So, margin of error shrunk. Probably in a worse position. I don't think we should grade uh, D T R based on his first career start. You know, the Ravens gotta took care of business, cleaned him up, didn't really leave him much room to breathe. I think he'll be better equipped. He's a talented kid. I've watched a lot of him in college. And You're talking about, about the,
2: the UCLA rookie for Cleveland at quarterback.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's Thompson Robinson. I, he's, I, he's he's interesting. And I think that first start may have put people in a mindset that he can't win. I Of the two, I, I – the two teams, the Browns, just by virtue of their record and, and the, that supporting cast, I would say. But, yeah, give give him a chance uh, if he takes over now for Watson and P.J. Walker
2: gets uh, the number two spot. I'll tell you a team that you've got ranked highly, and I think you've had them ranked high for the majority of the season, and we hear nothing about, at least in Indianapolis, there's zero conversation about them. They seeming, and maybe they love it this way. Maybe they love the fact that here they are and they're like, look, you know, we're, we're ranked in the top ten, top five, for on NFL.com and nobody's talking about us and we're fine with that the fighting Dr. Mottman's the Detroit Lions are they going yeah. to be able to I mean are they legit are they legit can they hang with a San Francisco late in the year if they stay healthy That's the big question, right? I mean, and they're going to, you know, obviously at some point, I think they're going to probably
1: have to go on the road unless they win. You know, I mean, they they could still keep winning. And, and, you know, if the Eagles lose this weekend, you never know, right? They're still in the mix for the top seed. That's the craziest part. But you're right. I mean, after all the early season buzz and, and the Dan Campbell stuff and the excitement over what the Lions were doing, they get blown out in Baltimore and it's crickets ever since, right? So last week, maybe a little too close for comfort. Defense getting tested a little bit but when you can score the way they, they can and you have the full house backfield now, I mean, Montgomery's back, Gibbs is back healthy. It really makes them tough to defend. And if they, God forbid, can ever get Jamison Williams going, it add another deep threat to that group. I mean, it's it's an exciting offense and it's a defense with a lot of potential. We've seen them play really well. Week one at Arrowhead, et cetera. I mean, you know, it's, it's about getting healthy on that side of the ball and I think they can be a better team in, in the playoff setting, but I mean, they're going, I'm, you know, if they're going to have a home playoff game. It's going to be crazy, I think. And can they build off that? Are they just a kind of a one-win team this year? And then we'll see next year, or do they have it this season?
4: NFL.com's Eric Edholm is our guest. You can find his weekly power rankings right there. Of course, you can also follow him on Twitter at Eric underscore Edholm. Eric, I'm not trying to get the booze back in your mentions, okay? I'm not trying to have the next time we talk to you over the next couple of weeks, it be a, uh, a, a funeral-type vibe for you. But it's still a question that has to be asked. When you look at the Colts, let's say they do make the playoffs. Yeah. Is there anything tantalizing about them that would make you think, you know what, they could surprise on Super Wildcard Weekend?
1: Well, you know, obviously two running backs who have had some some big games, not just this season, but in the past as well. I mean, that combination could be tough for, for certain teams. So, um, you know, I mean, Gardner's a playmaker. He can make plays out of structure. I know that has, you know, kind of tapered off to a degree, and we've seen a little less of that that magic coming out. But they have those playmakers. They they have the ability to take the, the football away on defense. I, obviously, giving up yards is, is is an issue one week to – you know in certain matchups but yeah I mean it, it's hard to say that they just have some unbelievable superpower that you know everything else is kind of holding them back but boy watch out if they get the right matchup no I mean I think they're relatively balanced in in, in some ways but you know the run game would do so much in the right matchup right you could pound out a team use them creatively spell a guy give Moss a turn Taylor comes back in etc really work that combination well and rest your defense theoretically. So Could they beat Baltimore again? would be the one factor. Could they beat Baltimore again if they had to go there? It would be tough. It would. But obviously, you know, we talked about Andrews. and You know, I mean, you, if they can get a little luck like they did in that game where the ball kind of seemed to, you know, three fumbles didn't end up in the Ravens' hands, I mean, that's the kind of thing you you might need a little bit of that. But, yeah, I mean – it's a team they've already beaten once. They they know the environment. I mean, it's probably going to be a lower-scoring type game, I think, in that type of atmosphere, but you never say never.
2: Eric, every year in the NCAA tournament, offices do a tournament pool. Everybody does it, right? Sure. Uh, unless you're Rick Neuheisel. And then, so <laughs> invariably, the pool is won. You know, you ask somebody, like, who won the tournament pool? And like, huh. You never get it was somebody in accounting that doesn't even follow basketball they just went by the mascots of who would win a fight right well, yeah. if the NFL did yeah. it that way I was trying to think of this if the NFL did it that way what franchise w- wins the whole thing if all of the mascots were just in a big fight who wins yeah. would it be giants yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, by, by sheer mass, they get
1: kind of moved to the front, right? I mean, I would think. It, I
2: guess, there's, there's an, here's the thing, though. There's this weird room with, like, the Buccaneers, the Vikings, the Raiders. And those guys all have guns, and they're angry, right? Yeah. I tend to lean towards technology
1: and magic. So, like, the Jets are going to have an obvious advantage, right? The ability to flight, probably some kind of Fair. armed weapon on board. You know, you can traverse large... You know, ground and and come in from whatever angle you want. Hard so to
2: catch them for sure, right? Hard to catch, yeah.
1: right? They, they've got that radar lock stuff. I mean, I think that's, <laughs> that's probably, a good point. Yeah, I don't know that you know it's less
2: college basketball. Well, how big we a have, giant like, are we talking though? Are we talking Rick Smiths? Are we talking the fellow from the Green Bean People? You know what I mean? That's that's the question, yeah. right? Like, how big are these <laughs> right guys
1: you speak of? Yeah, I mean, are they truly gigantic? Or are we, be, you know, just a little bit of hyperbole here? So yeah, I mean, i I'd, I'd want to see a mock up before I. And look, I I've seen a jaguar, and my parents live in Florida. I've actually seen a live jaguar before. I don't know that I really want to mess with one of those. I mean, well, then the you got to throw panthers game. in the same category, right? I mean, sure, absolutely. I'm, I'm I'm I favor that. Yeah, it's harder with college basketball where you get <laughs> some screaming eagles and blue devils and whatnot. I mean, that just throws it in there yeah, And then a
2: Jayhawk ends up winning the whole thing, and you're like, really? It's a fictional bird. <laughs> No wonder why oh, you can't kill it. God. That hurts a little. That, that stings a little. But that's all, I, I get it. I get it. Eric, these are the kind of things that hopefully give you an insomnia <laughs> over the weekend, right? <laughs> I have no doubt it's going to be the case. Eric, I appreciate the time as always. Eric Edholm, NFL.com. Have a good weekend, man. All right. Enjoy your Friday. See you guys. Query and Company on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Rolling along on a Friday weekend upon us. Not necessarily the most glamorous of weather weekends, but Jimmy, I decided since it's a little bit rainy outside, maybe we need to take a trip. Maybe we need to hit several different spots and just go ahead. Did you get like a little snack or anything like that? I did. I got some right. combos I need to you to put your tray in the upright position if you could because we're about to take off on the two-minute drill.
5: The globe. It's the two minute drill.
2: All right, first stop, let's get right to it. 92 3, the fan in Cleveland, Jonathan Peterlin, joins us. Jonathan, big story. Deshaun Watson now out. Can that defense sustain for the Browns and keep them in
6: the hunt till the end of the season? That's a big question. I think they can. It depends what we're talking about, though, right? Like, I think that's where Browns fans are. We've now moved the goalpost. We were talking 24 hours prior to the injury. I was taking phone calls on my night show about how uh, we're Super Bowl contenders. We had, we had a legit 24-hour conversation about are we Super Bowl contenders? With Obviously, we're Northeast Ohio. 99% of the fan base is going to say, yes, we are. After a, just one of the biggest wins we've ever seen, the Browns pull off. And then just to have the rug pulled out from underneath you know, the way that it was. It was devastating. So I think it's about moving what the expectations are. Do John- I think we're Super Bowl contenders? No. Do I think we're playoff, like we're going to get in the playoffs? Yeah, probably.
4: Jonathan, is it too early in the life of that contract if you were to give truth serum to Brown's ownership that maybe there's regret with the guaranteed money?
6: They'd never admit it. But yeah, if you, if you wanted to give them truth serum, I think they would because it's done a couple of things. It hasn't just, it's not just about the $230 million. It's what it's done in, hey, uh, any team want to help us out with a backup quarterback or do us any favors? and everyone's door is closed uh, because the Browns and really the, the front office and the ownership, it really made a lot of owners across the league mad with that guaranteed money. They're, they're not friends to the other teams in the NFL. And so I think it worked in a multitude of ways that they'd probably regret right now.
2: Shores of Lake Erie, Cleveland, 92.3, the fan, Jonathan Peterson, appreciate it. Thank you. Sunshine State, J. Michael, Orlando, Sentinel, Magic next on the schedule for the Pacers. J. Michael, so far, decent start for the Magic, but what's Indiana going to see on Sunday?
7: I mean, they're going to see a team that it doesn't have, likely won't have Wendell Carter, who's really key to what they do defensively and even offensively because they can go five out with him. But now you're going to see potentially or more than likely uh, Goga Patase, who Indiana knows quite well. Um, they're a little bit more limited, not having Wendell Carter who can spread to the three-point line. But you'll see a team that plays very aggressive defensively, especially Jalen Suggs. He's a ball hawk. I cannot wait to see how Jalen Suggs matches up with some of the really elite guard play that I've seen from the Pacers this year. But the one thing that the Magic do well, when they, if they're playing well defensively, that means they're usually playing well in transition and they can score with you. The problem with the Magic is when they get into the half court, especially with them missing a couple of key pieces, as I mentioned, uh, with the Carter being key among them.
4: Jay Michael, I don't like to pigeonhole franchises, but when you look at the Magic in terms of my life existence on this planet, it's always stars that are drafted high that either wind up not panning out or wind up going somewhere else. Why is it different this time with Paolo Uh
7: I think it's different because, A, Banquero is everything that they imagine him being. If you look at when the Magic haven't played, when they haven't won this year, maybe they're really uh, they struggle in the second half. It's usually because defenses load up so heavily and they gear everything towards stopping Paolo Banquero. He's still going to get you 20 points in a game, uh, regardless of how much you load up against him, but he changes the way teams defend the Magic. And if you can slow down Paulo Banquero by loading to him, the problem that the Magic has is they don't have other shooters necessarily around him who can hit open shots consistently. But Bancaro, I think, is everything that they thought he was going to be. I think he's probably a year away, though, from being that all-star level guy, but he is pretty close. He's not a tweener. Remember when they took Oladipo years ago, 2013? You know, older people they tried to make a point guard, they then wasn't a point guard. And then you saw them take all these other draft picks that never quite panned out. They got a lot of tweeners, they didn't really have a direction. They have a direction now with Jeff Weltman as president, and I think Coach Jamal Mosley, I think a lot of people are going to realize against is a severely underrated coach. He does a lot of things well, and he adjusts a lot on the fly, and I think him working with Boncaro just works for the Magic. And I think he's going to maximize in the system that they currently run.
2: Magic Pacers game going to be on Sunday. J. Michael, Orlando Sentinel by way of the Indianapolis Star. Enjoy the weekend. Uh, All yeah. All right, let's go down the road. Cincinnati, NBC5. Cincinnati, Charlie Clifford joins us. Charlie, big news last night. Joe Burrow, what is the mood with the Bengals, and what's the prognosis right now as to where things stand? Jake, the team's calling it a sprained right wrist,
5: as everyone saw on Thursday night. Football, Burrow could not even grip a ball. So this now puts the season on the brink in Cincinnati, 5-5 five and five in the toughest division in football with Pittsburgh coming in next week. We're going to hear from Zach Taylor this afternoon, of course. Now there are questions of was there a pre-existing injury that went unreported, the NFL's opening investigation after photos surfaced. On arrival in Baltimore, had a kickoff of Burrow potentially wearing some sort of wrist guard on his throwing hand. that it's a step too early to say there's anything there definitively yet, but it's certainly the worst paid a regular season at the moment in cincinnati on friday
4: charlie where do things change depending on what the mri reveals in terms of where this team is there's still a lot of championship components but very small sample size you saw how that offense struggled without their leader where do things go hinging on this mri
5: burrow can't play it's jake browning who got his first nfl experience last night and that means trouble for cincinnati because they've had issues all year on both sides of the ball they haven't played up to their standard and without burrow that essentially will take them out of contention here barring a miracle now you know burrow will do anything he can to get back he's lives by that warrior mentality and he already fought through a calf issue coming out of training camp so until they have answers burrow will be racing back as soon as he can without question
2: by way of indianapolis charlie Clifford, nbc5 cincinnati thanks man thanks guys Stephen St. John, 810 Sports Radio in Kansas City. All right, Stephen, there is the possibility. Kansas is already scheduled to play Indiana. They could see Purdue in the Maui Invitational. No, of course, Jalen Wilson. No Grady Dick. How is Bill Self's team different or the same than a year ago?
8: Well, uh, it begins and ends with Hunter Dickinson. He was the crown jewel of the transfer portal. Uh, he had a great game the other night against Kentucky, uh, and, and you can see he's uh, one of the best big men, one of the most polished big men in the nation. Uh, you know, Kansas is always going to have great guard play, but now they've got this big man in the middle that uh, looks like he's going to be a you know a, a first-team All-American. And so give Bill Self a guy like Hunter Dickinson, who transferred from uh, Michigan, uh, is, uh, like I said, the uh, the top target that, that anyone had in the transfer portal. And Kansas is immediately a national championship, or at least a, a Final Four favorite.
4: Switching gears towards the Chiefs, Andy Reid kind of revealed this past week that with Kadarius Toney, who's coming off of offseason knee surgery, that they're easing him in, they're bringing him along slowly. In terms of where the rest of the schedule is, Is Monday night an if-not-now-when game in terms of an increase of snap counts for Kadarius Toney?
8: Man, that's a great question. I have no idea. Uh, Nobody does, really. Going into the bye week and the last game that they had, uh, you saw the, the snap count increase into the 60% neighborhood for rookie Rasheed Rice. So that's going to continue to build because he's been the best playmaker of the wide receivers. Uh, you know, Also, Justin Watson and uh, uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling were up there. Sky Moore lost a lot of snaps. Uh, McCole Hardman and uh, Kadarius Tony also not with very many snaps. And so they spent the bye week like they always do, self-scouting. I expect Rasheed Rice to continue uh, to have his role in the offense grow. As far as Kadarius Tony, uh, you know, yeah, there's there's some truth to that. That uh, they had the knee surgery uh, and the knee procedure that, that, that kept him out of uh, training camp. But he had a disastrous opening game against uh, Detroit, where he basically single handedly lost the game for the Chiefs. And he just not has lived up to the expectations that the Chiefs fans or the coaching staff have had. Uh, I do think that his role will increase. It has to. He only had seven snaps in the last game. But you know, Rasheed Rice is the guy that stepped up, and that's the guy that needs to get the ball in his hands more because he's been the best playmaker, wide receiver. Uh, and McCall Harbin does a lot of the same things that Kadarius Tony does. So it'll be very interesting to see if they truly were just trying to get him healthy and protect him in the first half, or other guys have just passed him up, that's going to be one of the big question marks that has to be answered for the Chiefs in the second half.
2: Border Patrol is the show in the mornings in Kansas City, eight ten Kansas City, AM, and Stephen St. John. Stephen, have a good weekend. Thank you, fellas. Buffalo, New York, Josh Reed joins us, WIVB, the CBS affiliate there. Josh, first question, and it's an easy one when talking about Buffalo, what in the world is going on with the Bills?
0: Well, they're hoping Joe Brady has that answer. You know, they fire Ken Dorsey this week, coming off another terrible offensive performance. Um, they promote Joe Brady from uh, quarterback coach to offensive coordinator. They're looking for that spark. And, um, you know, so Ken Dorsey falls on the sword because this offense just has not been good all season. The defense obviously takes a step back from last season, but a big reason – is because of the injuries, quite frankly. I think Sean McDermott's done a pretty good job kind of meal piecing the whole thing together and getting the defense at least in a position where they're not losing them the game. That quite frankly has been Josh Allen in the offense.
2: Has Josh Allen lost his teammates at all? I don't think he's lost his teammates. He's
0: it seems he's lost his confidence. Um, you know, you just talk to him after the games, talk to him after practice. He just doesn't seem to have that gunslinger mentality that he's had in the past. Now, doesn't mean that's not what he's doing on the field, because he's absolutely doing that on the field. That's why he leads the league in interceptions, but he just doesn't seem to have that, just that rage in his eyes that we've seen in the past, where he believes he is the best player on the field at all times. Once again, I don't think he's lost his teammates. I don't think he's lost his locker room. I just think he's lost his confidence And we've seen it before with the elite. If they get it back, it can turn around in a hurry.
2: The elusive NHL question for the Indianapolis market. The Sabres have the longest drought in the NHL without a postseason appearance. 12 straight years, 16 straight since they've won a series. Is this the year it comes to an end? Oh, man. If you had asked me that less than a week
0: ago, a couple of days ago, I would have said yes. Cage Thompson goes down with a big injury, and he is one of the elite stars in the NHL. Um, upper body injury, it, it doesn't look good for him. And, you know, when you, when you lose a superstar like that, you know, that's a, that's a big injury. Um, we'll see if they can get – Don Granato can kind of keep this thing together and keep it afloat until he gets back.
2: Josh Reed, WIVB, CBS affiliate in Buffalo. Appreciate you rounding out our two-minute drill. 100%. Thanks for having me. Jimmy, I have a Buffalo Sabres hat. I don't know anything about the Buffalo Sabres. I just think it's kind of a cool franchise because they've sucked forever. And they've got a cool logo, so I have a Buffalo Sabres. I might have to wear my Sabres hat next week. I think you should. Here we go. This is the year. The streak ends. I thought it was interesting from Jay Michael and talking about Orlando when he mentioned Jalen Suggs. I had said to you yesterday, uh, when Jalen Suggs came out of Gonzaga, I really thought, because he, he – I'm not going to say he fell totally in the draft, but I thought he would go higher than he did. And I remember saying, like, there are teams that are going to regret not taking Jalen Suggs. And I'm curious, you know, it, does he – I thought it was interesting that J. Michael mentioned him because is Jalen Suggs a guy that just – be, you know, is he just a guy? Or is he somebody that can step up and be and grow into being, essentially, the Robin to Palabanqueros Batman?
4: Look, I – I hate to do this to Orlando I do but they are a franchise where I need to see stability first before I'm going to believe it so in a long way or a short way of saying a long answer I don't think Jalen Sugg's story is at all means completed just like I don't think a lot of the players on the Magic's roster is yet to be completed but I would look at potentially what happened with Aaron Gordon where Orlando is the place you wind up to start you don't ever live up to what you were supposed to be, and then what you always preach about, Jake, how hard it is when you've been the guy your whole life to then accept a new role and thrive in the NBA. That winds up happening with him in Denver. So for a lot of those key guys in Orlando, including Jalen Suggs, I still see great promise for their careers. I just don't know that I buy into the fact that in two years time, Orlando's gonna have this thing finally straightened out where Ben Caro's their lead, Suggs is their two, and they're a
2: real threat in the East. If you were doing the NBA with what we did with the NFL, the magic would probably win the mascot battles, right? Have to, yeah. I mean they just disappear. Correct. How do you you know what I mean? Correct. I mean all of a sudden before you know it, you're you're behind you you know they put you in a box you disappear also they can, right. they can do whatever they want to you Correct. uh this from Brian by the way Jake my name is Brian I think the the battle of NFL mascots you have to consider the Titans if I remember my Greek mythology correctly they couldn't be killed by even the gods they were simply imprisoned I, I guess you'd imprison them then right yeah that's good though or have a bear dismember them <laughs> or dismember them they <laughs> be- listen if I'm not mistaken the, so I love bears. I think bears are awesome. Sure. I'd like a pet bear. The, the the problem is, isn't this correct? I think this is right. <laughs> I think this is right. You ready? Okay. I kid you not, I, somewhere I read this. It's probably not even remotely factually correct. All right. But for the sake of the radio, we're going to pretend it's correct. But I kid you not, I swear that I read this somewhere. Okay. And I don't know which kind of bear we're talking about. Well, I, but I'm, I'm assuming like a grizzly bear. Somebody's gonna text you in about two minutes to clarify whether this is true or not. So, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I believe this is correct. All right, you can you can adopt, like you could birth, not not literally you give birth right, to, right, but right. you could help deliver a bear cub. Okay, a male bear cub, like a like a well, probably a female too, but a grizzly bear cub. And. You could feed you could bottle feed it every day, you could play with it, you could cuddle with it, you could teach it to throw a beach ball with you, teach it to ride a bike, whatever. Okay. And it, it, it literally could absolutely love and adore you every day. And then, and I think I'm talking about from the male standpoint, when it goes through the bare equivalent of puberty, it, it has a testosterone some like change where the natural instinct of the bear kicks in and it no longer even remembers that you were the person that reared it and like you are in serious trouble so like enjoy it for like two years yeah and then after that it's like well you know what somebody got the bear whiskey and like what the hell just happened
4: don't be a tiger king don't be a bear king. that's, that's what that you is correct
2: yep. do not be a bear king <laughs> joining us now on query and company you, of course, hear him each and every morning, along with Andy Sweeney for the wake-up call, Kevin Bowen, and, of course, with this Colts bye week, that normally would be the main topic of discussion. So, Kevin, I'm going to throw you actually this curveball off the top. Uh, did you watch Indiana and Wright State last night, and if so, your assessment of the Hoosiers? Yeah, I watched
9: the second half. Um, I guess a slight improvement. Granted, the bar was pretty low. Um, I mean, I think... Offensively, Cleo Ware certainly has been the most consistent player for them all season long. Um, I think you got to be pleased with how he has looked, especially when you consider, I think at times it was like, all right, you know, is the motor, you know, always there? Has it been super consistent? You know, you would hope if it's there for Florida Gulf Coast Army and Wright State, it would be there as they get in kind of the meat of their schedule. Obviously can't guard really anybody, um, give up 80 doing the mid-major team without their best player. Yeah, that's not going to last and, and obviously won't have any staying power as the schedule gets tougher. So, Um, I I just don't see where massive improvements come, especially as the schedule now gets, what, six of their next seven, I think, against high major teams, five of their next seven, I believe, away from home. So, yeah, slight improvement, but honestly, I'd probably say that more to do with how low the bar was than like, oh, yeah, boom, that looks like a legit NCAA tournament team.
4: Kevin, I want to make this clear this is not my take, but I was texting a buddy who is a longtime IU fan, went to school there as well, and – I don't want to say like he's on the ledge in terms of how the season has started and how close these games have kind of been, but his takeaway was this, and I want to get your takes on, is this too far or do you kind of see that if they don't improve things, does this have the potential to be the worst IU team, especially from an offensive standpoint that we've seen since 2013, 2014, when they went seven 15 and missed not only the NCAA tournament, but the NIT altogether.
9: Oh, God. Just even that question's a bit jarring. I know. I know. Um, boy, one of those Archie teams had to be worse, right? I I, I, <laughs> I understand the question, um, but yeah, I would think one of those, or I'm I trying, I don't know, all the Archie years seem to run together, but like one of them um, got to be worse. I, I, I think what stands out is just, I really feel like for Kind of the umpteenth year in a row, and this goes back to the Archie era. It's just not a program that's utilized the three point line how you have to utilize it in today's college basketball. Um, it, it's, you know, every given night it seems like it's a 20, 30 point difference, and that's a just an astronomical number. And, you know, as great as Weir's been, and Malik Renew obviously has been very solid as well, you know, at some point that you're going to play more kind of size, you know, like teams that just aren't these big major teams internationally not going to have a bunch of height, and so their advantage down low theoretically i don't think will be there as much that, honestly probably starting on sunday against yukon but uh, I, I guess to answer your question i would like to think not but the fact that the question even gets asked and i don't sit here and like totally say no is a pretty sad endorsement of what we've seen through the first two weeks of the season
2: kevin what colts player on the roster is most in need of this bye week
9: Well, it's got to be Minshew. Um, yeah, I mean, it's got to be Gardner. Yeah, I, I think Gardner needs all the... Uh, Jake, I'm passing a Bucky sign right now on my way to Knoxville. Oh, wow. Nice. Now, have you been, yeah. Kevin? 27 miles, no. Should I lose my Bucky's V-card here in a bit?
2: Oh, absolutely. Well, who, you got the whole family with you?
9: Well, no, I don't know if I would have dropped that line the family. But um, no, just a couple of buddies of mine.
2: Oh, okay. Well, then you absolutely have to go in. You, no, honestly, like, I, I mean, have you never had... Um, like pepperoncini flavored rattlesnake jerky. I've
9: had the nuggets. You know, I feel like you, you and I. I mean, hell, there was a moment there last year. We probably our diet only consisted of the uh,
2: Beaver Nuggets. There, so people brought in like literally gallons of Bucky Nuggets. Uh, I mean, just alone, if you need, if anybody's got to use the bathroom, you got to go to Bucky's. Not to be graphic, but that's the reality. It's your private suite. Uh, It is.
9: Yeah, no, there were times where Matty would be like, you brought home another bag of Bucky's Nuggets? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I know, I know. Uh-huh.
6: Here I am. Thank um, I mean,
2: Oh, man, Bucky just interrupted the phone call. Put him on pause real quick. We'll check back with him in just a second. Jimmy, you have or have not been to Bucky's? I
4: have. We made yeah. that pilgrimage, if you will. My wife and her family wanted to go, so we made it this past August. You actually went and you drove? That's it. That was the sole purpose of the journey. Wow. That was, there's one in uh, Kentucky. I don't can't remember where exactly, but there's one about three hours from here. And it had opened, I think, in the last six or eight months. We went, uh, got our picture taken with Bucky. You're right. The restrooms are just basically your private oasis um we had a barbecue brisket sandwich that was delightful brought back some bucky nuggets uh it was good time the one uh gimmicky gift that was purchased we bought for her sister a let me guess, bu- let me guess. bucky pajamas no but it's it is an article of clothing bucky hat nope bucky sweatshirt nope
2: okay what was it a bucky swimsuit wow yeah one piece or two piece it was one piece okay you know Bucky, a beaver, by the way. Correct. Okay. Correct. Uh, Kevin Bowen, uh, based on that, joins us again. Kevin, uh, you, you said Gardner Minshew, and I, I think probably from just like a confidence standpoint or just kind of reset the table standpoint, that would be accurate. I, I would think that for a number of variables, Shaq Leonard would have to be in that conversation as well. Would he not?
9: Well, I just don't know how much better it's going to get, Jake. I, I'm a little resigned, and this is what we're going to see. Frankly, I think... If you're Shane Steichen and you've gone about accountability in the way that he has this year, I I, I don't think a flat-out benching would be that far-fetched out of the question. Um, you know, it, it, at the very least, I think EJ Speed deserves to be playing more than he is, and I think that comes at the expense of Shack. I just that, I don't know. I, I think this is just who he is. Um, at this point, I don't think one week is going to be some savior or all of a sudden take some 180. Um, So, yeah, I know Minshew mentally, as you pointed out there, and then physically, I mean, Josh Downs would probably fall into a little bit of the Juju Brents category. Just, you know, can he get that knee situation figured out to where he's such an important piece that I think you saw it in the New England game when he plays only a dozen or so snaps. Your offense is going to be limited in some ways. But, oh, I'm a big believer in Minshew. Like, I mean, he needed – yeah, he needed needed to indulge in all the uh, bye week activities. I mean, I just – he looks gun-shy to me. He looks, um, you know, he's processed, I think, poorly, uh, just so panicky, so jittery in the pocket. It, it, honestly, a lot to do with, like, stuff that he usually, I feel like, has been pretty good at than, you know, any sort of injury situation or uh, maybe the limitations with his arm, which you, which you know there are certainly some there.
2: By the way, uh, so you're with a couple of buddies right now, right? Yes, correct. A- uh-huh. And you're going where? Like, what's the weekend agenda here I'm on very the jealous. Weekend? I'm very jealous.
9: The first ever SEC football game.
2: Oh, that's great. This you going to this Knoxville.
9: Will be, this will be yes, Tennessee hosting Georgia.
2: Night or day game.
9: Three thirty kickoff on CBS. Play okay. the
2: music. L- let me tell you. <laughs> let me tell you something, Kevin. I, that stadium alone. I mean, it, it's 105,000 or whatever it is. And unlike Michigan, Michigan 105,000 average age 105. Tennessee uh, 105 thousand average blood alcohol 1.05 I it's unbelievable I'm not kidding you now now which of your buddies in the car you're driving right now or you're a passenger uh, riding shotgun okay so which of your buddies you're with how many guys how, how many buddies
9: Uh, There's three of us total in the car. Okay. Two friends. Me and a friend uh, who lives just north of Atlanta in Knoxville.
2: Just out of curiosity, either of the two guys that are in the car, are they the ones that you're going to have to, like, you know, keep an eye on, like by about 3 o'clock, all of a sudden the stuff starts getting rowdy? Or is that you?
9: uh, Yeah, I'd like to think the 1.05, we would bring that level down a bit and not bring that (laughs) up um, that you just mentioned there. I'd like to think we all can, you know – enjoy the weekend but do it in a very respectful manner and not let the SEC you know prove that it is bigger and better here
2: I'm telling you man it is and you'll you know what you'll you'll come out of there and you'll be kind of a Tennessee fan you know what I mean like you'll you'll, because you'll just have an appreciation for it after the fact you're like you know what I get it now like I get I I get why it's cool man I'm between that and the Bucky's. you're lucky yeah (laughs)
9: Yeah, I am uh, very, very stoked to say the least. Now, how many SEC games for you? And you're, you, you've had to have been to several stadiums, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, I've been to probably five or six Alabama games. Uh, I've been to an Auburn game. I've been to, I got, I've been to Tennessee, obviously. I think I've been to Kentucky once. Um, I'm trying to think of who else is there. I've not been. To o- oh, Ole Miss. I've been to an Ole Miss game. Saw them play Auburn. LSU night game. No, that would be awesome. That's way up there, right? I mean, and that's. You know, I think the thing the thing about an LSU night game that's so impressive is you kind of get the feeling that they could replay it on Sunday morning in Baton Rouge on television because 40% of the crowd doesn't remember it from the night before. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, it's a whole different animal, man. whole different animal. Yeah,
9: it's, probably, it's probably a universal SEC thing.
2: Here's the there. other thing, uh, Kevin. Like, don't even – honestly, and I'm not kidding you. You don't even have to – like – go and eat lunch tomorrow before the game because the one thing about the south i mean clemson's the same way they're not sec i realize but you literally can just walk up the tailgates and if you literally say hey i'm just with three buddies and we're just doing a bucket list sec trip people will literally be like oh my gosh here grab a plate grab a chair where are you staying i mean it's unbelievable the hospitality is unreal
9: yeah i, I am looking forward to you know cautiously optimistic on that, and I didn't realize, too, here, and you obviously have been on campus and been to games, you know, the stadium is rather near close to the river, and so people do a little bit of a sail gate scene, so literally, you know, boats uh, near the stadium. I don't know if we'll you know, venture over to that area, but th- this is not like a giant parking lot right next to Neil and stadium like you know i don't know I, i'm envisioning like notre dame's tailgate scene or you know even i guess michigan you know you're more have a golf course right there but uh not like as um i don't know everything surrounding Newland. i mean neyland stadium is kind of right in the heart of campus it is yep um uh, so can't wait cannot wait for tomorrow
2: yeah i mean trust me you will definitely enjoy it um look back back to the colts kevin what area if you had to pick it And you and I talked plenty in the morning time about, you know, wide receiver. There are a lot of topics that we probably even wore out just because we were incredulous at times that they were not addressed. So let's give the Colts a little bit of credit here. I'll start it on this side of it. Through the first half, for lack of a better phrase, through the first half of the year now, give me the area where they have been, they have exceeded your expectation and you got to tip the cap and say, you know what? They're better there than I thought they were going to be.
9: Yeah, I would say offensive line. Um, You know, if you would have told me they would have the amount of injuries that they did, you know, Braden Smith's missed, what, four, maybe five games. Uh, You know, even Bernard Ryman was out for one or two. You know, Ryan Kelly's been a little bit banged up. To have the amount of injuries they did, um, I was stunned by just the lack of depth that Chris Bauer gave to that group in the offseason. They've handled it very, very well. Um, You could probably point to a little bit of a, hey, just the fact that you don't have statues at quarterback. Anymore more like you did last year, no matter really who was under center, uh, that probably has contributed to it. And, and I do think some play calling and some coaching in general can help that group. But, uh, you know, that was something that you know, I, I was surprised by that they, again, the lack of attention they gave uh, in the off season. And I think it's been a group that's, I don't know, if they're back to the elite, elite level they were a couple of years ago, but certainly much better than the big liability they were last season. Um, so I'd probably go there, the one that kind of stands out the most to me, um, just based off how poor it was last season.
4: Kevin Bowen is our guest. You can hear him 7 to 10 a.m. on these very airwaves, the wake-up call with KB and Andy. KB, let's just say, and I know it's it's sad to say if this is the case because it's a, a loss of a key weapon and a face of the NFL, but let's say Joe Burrow is forced to miss – extended time or the rest of the year that would take him off the board when the Colts meet them here in a couple weeks. When you look at teams in the wildcard race, the Colts still have to play. The Bengals in this scenario without Joe Burrow, the Steelers, the Raiders, and the Texans. Do you look at those teams and look at the Colts and say Indianapolis is equal to or better than those teams? Or do you feel like one or maybe a couple of them are on paper better than the Colts right now?
9: Are you taking Burrow? You said yeah, off. Yeah, he's off the board. He's off the board. Again, so. hypothetically speaking, um, he's off the board. Yeah, I, have, I think Pittsburgh's certainly better than, you know, Indy, I think given their quarterback play, I just – I mean, they've got guys defensively that can just go win you a game and T.J. Watt. I think it's skill to where even if some of those guys just kind of touch the football, whether it's George Pickens or even a couple other guys that – they can go uh, make a big time play. So i definitely say Pittsburgh. Cincinnati, probably not, but still, I mean, they've got kind of enough weapons that, you know, I'll be curious to see how, you know, Jake Browning kind of handles that. I mean, certainly he's got really no experience in the NFL, but I mean, hell, when, when you put it like that, you know, Jimmy, I, I don't, I guess the Raiders have a couple of those guys as well. And Devonta Adams and Max Crosby and Josh Jacobs, but, I don't know, maybe since we watched Aiden O'Connell, I'm still just kind of like, wait a minute, is Aiden O'Connell really going to lead a playoff team as a rookie here? And then you throw in the whole interim head coach and just kind of water finding its level. In that sense, um, you know, Houston, it, it, you know, based off what we saw in week two, it's kind of hard to, for me to get rid of that memory, but obviously they've looked really, really good, and clearly they would have the best quarterback uh, of that group when you take Burrow out of the equation. So... Um, Yeah, I could probably put the Colts a little bit even with Cincy. You know, I, I don't know, a little bit toss up with Vegas. Houston maybe a fraction behind just based off Stroud. But I think it's important to remember, Jimmy, just because, you know, maybe if you rank those teams one to five, I wouldn't put the Colts one or two on that list. I would probably say they have the easiest schedule out of those five. And they are, what, four and three, I believe, is their conference record right now, which is a key tiebreaker. So that's why right now, if you looked at the standings and really factored in schedules and tiebreakers and things like that, you would put the Colts much higher on that list, in my opinion, than if you just ranked them strictly like one to five, best to
2: worst. Kevin, the other side of my previous question regarding the Colts would be this. The area that you still are looking at it and go, I can't believe we're a week away from Thanksgiving and this area still plagues the Colts and they have simply not performed where they need to is what?
9: Yeah, I would say disappointing, probably just that, that, that edge pass rush. Um, you know, Pay I just don't think has been enough for you and with how much attention DeForest Buckner commands in the interior. You would like to think just the consistent one-on-one matchups that, you know, really pay. And I think Samson and the other side has been relatively quiet the last couple of weeks. I mean, you'd like to see a little bit more there from that group. Um, a, a position that I probably was a little bit more optimistic on at the start of the year, and we haven't seen too really, we haven't seen anybody consistently emerge, would be tight end as well. Um, I would throw that in there. Um, but, again, I feel like a lot of that just due to a little bit of a quarterback limitations and uh, obviously some injuries have you know, hurt, hurt that group as well. But that, that, that last part, just a timely pass rush. I mean, obviously you did it against New England. Um, but still, I think against better offenses, can you dial that up when you need to? Um, I always think that could be a huge separator for teams, and it has been a question mark for the Colts in recent years. And I think still it could be a bugaboo at times.
2: Kevin Bowen, I assume on Monday morning you'll have a recap for everybody about your SEC experience. Um, I, I honestly, flippancy aside, I would highly suggest that you guys do stop by Bucky's just because it's like. I, I mean, it'd be fun. Just to, and you got to at least get the the banana pudding. But um, take a team picture with Bucky. Yeah, that's right. You got to stop by Bucky's. But look, man, have fun with it because it is a it's it's the perfect guys' weekend. So have fun with it.
9: Yeah, I, I imagine if you you know ever go down the bachelor party route, Jake, one day it'll you will have a stop at Bucky's. <laughs>
2: yeah just, well, you might get married there <laughs> hey shan i got news for you kevin's you know played, it's for dessert who need the wedding cake <laughs> they i'm telling you get some hey listen for dinner here at the reception you just swing by the brisket station <laughs> you got it man have fun with it thank you boys
9: you guys have a great weekend
2: all right you too kevin bowen on the hotline man he, he, i'm telling you it is, it is you know the like the thing about bucky's also they have the sign out front that says like the general managers make like 125 a year yeah i mean like and they have like 90 gas pumps i mean it's unreal like you go in there you could literally go in and the one there's one right across from the texas motor speedway and i remember once after like a Friday practice session, like going into Bucky's at like eleven thirty at night and you would have thought it was literally the like the target on Black Friday at four in the oh, afternoon. Oh man, that it's I mean, unbelievable.
4: Th- that that's a different time slot, right? To that's a better story than mine of being there in the daytime. I didn't know what to expect. And yeah, I walk in there and it feels like black friday oh and you're
2: You're in there for what are we doing i I mean honestly like you're in the only thing i would warn people about if you're on a road trip and you're like let's just go in like what like those guys are doing right now you're in there for minimum what we were there at least an hour Uh, totally yeah i mean honestly like it's the only place where you can buy literally brisket pajamas rattlesnake jerky home decor uh, uh, total like a, a a fireplace there's a whole hobby lobby basic section within totally within Bucky's. and they also have the other thing that, that'll get bucky's credit they're making like you know they're like roasting walnuts in there and like candied nuts and that kind of thing so they have they're pumping through you know like in the casinos they pump oxygen into the casinos sure At bucky's they're pumping through the smell of like maple sugar or whatever like i I mean you walk in there and literally you're like how did i just walk into cake create yeah it's unbelievable (laughs) and i know that it's like a little bit it kind of has become like almost too big a fad but 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 the first time that you go into it you literally are like i can't believe what this is like literally diabetic nirvana correct
4: yes and and you turn any shelf and you're gonna find it. They'll be. There, Can you
2: imagine taking like if you if you just I've always wondered about this. The confection section is crazy. Oh, cookies, fudge, if cupcakes. If you were to take somebody, like you walk into Bucky's and you realize why the rest of the world despises America, right? Because because we don't need. We don't need jelly beans. We need 900 variations of jelly beans, right? That have been crushed up like, into a donut that's deep fried. Beef jerky's not no. enough for us. No. We've got to actually have pepper steak flavored ostrich tendons. Okay, great. Yes. I, it's unreal. But can you imagine taking somebody I don't even know what it would be, but you know, you hear about like like tribes of people that are that are living like very like you know, by their own choice rudimentary lifestyles and then taking them and airdropping them in take, there take
4: somebody that lives regularly in venice that is used to just like you know the the
2: beautiful water and
4: the totally. architecture and delicious italian food and just don't tell them where they're going but just airdrop them into a bucky i
2: mean they have <laughs> now the worst job ever well not the worst there are a couple i can think that would be worse but i'll give them credit they literally have you walk into the men's room and it's not a men's room. It's like this. It's like a, it's like a an arena. And the entire four walls are lined with individualized, locked-doored booths that are like marble palaces. And there's like you walk out from using the bathroom, and as soon as you walk out, a Bucky's employee is like bumping you out of the way with a mop to go in and clean up because one person just used the restroom in there. Terry's got more on it. Joins us. Just called in, inspired by the Bucky's conversation. Hi, Terry. What's up?
10: Gary, I love your conversations, man. They just they, they just make me excited every time I hear you.
2: Oh, uh, <laughs> well, I don't know if that's—I don't know whether to be <laughs> flattered or offended, Terry. But thank you.
10: <laughs> hey, uh, so I have a Jeep, and I'm—I'm I'm part of a Jeep group. I took a Jeep group to a Bucky's trip. We—we we came from Indianapolis and went down to Kentucky just to go to Bucky's. Now. The biggest thing you just you just hit on the part I called about was the
2: bathrooms. It's Those unreal. Bathrooms like ta- it's the Taj Mahal of the bathroom. <laughs> yes, I mean, it is. Like you actually you wanted, want to stop you, at Taco Bell beforehand just to have reason to go in there, right?
10: That bathroom, I'm telling you. A buddy of mine went to Bucky's, and you know how big they are, and you know that you know the bro code when you go to a urinal, right? Of you course. Don't know, you don't you never get to the next part next you never never go to the
2: the middle one and always leave a space correct
10: so what he did he's standing there the only one in the bathroom this guy walks in (laughs) stands right next to him (laughs) and he looked at him and goes what are you doing
2: (laughs) i mean for real because they've only got 900 of them right it's unbelievable now wait a minute terry this jeep group i've got a jeep grand cherokee does that count or are these wranglers only
10: you know for you i'd make an exception do you do the jeep wave Every day. All right. I just
2: want to
4: make sure. My wife has a Jeep. She's very, very big on the Jeep wave.
2: Terry, you've not called the program before, right?
10: I had called one other time, um, but it was a quick call. But I love your show. I listen to it every day. Um, I mean, the conversations you have, it's never about what you think it's going to be about it's outside the box that's the way i think so man you're you're top of the line to me man well
2: you and my mom that's two people terry we greatly appreciate it um and you are in terms of the and company you are the director of jeep finance how's that i don't even know what that means but but that's what you are
8: that's right terry i appreciate it man
2: drive safe all right thanks
8: buddy